because I was scared that I wouldn't have the right commitment that it would be like because it's not it's permanent it's great I, I'm still like shocked after 18 years of working in tattoo shops and almost 14 of tattooing I'm still like how do you let me do this to you you know that was tattooer Taylor Nichols I'm Jeff and this is storied San Francisco every week on this podcast you'll hear from tattoo artists volunteers artists, and San Franciscans from all walks of life, telling stories, sharing personal histories, and trying to put into words what makes this city so special. Welcome to episode 42, part two. In part one, Taylor told us all about growing up in North Beach, where her dad would frequently take her to neighborhood bars and restaurants. In this episode, Taylor rattles off some of the SF spots she used to go to that aren't around anymore. She shares the story of how she got started tattooing and, later, helping to open Let It Bleed in the Tenderloin. She ends the podcast reflecting on the changes in San Francisco over the last decade and some trends she's seeing now that offer some hope. Here's Taylor. Can I get you, before Mm -hmm. we get into the the tattooing Mm -hmm. stuff, um... Just kind of rattle off bars and restaurants, whether they're still around or not, like that you hung out, especially as you left North Beach. Like, um, okay, so uh, <laughs> Hockey Haven in the rich in the outer Richmond is one of my favorites. It is a very locals. It's a sports bar, but it's also kind of an Irish bar. Hockey Haven's great. Um, I hung out there when I lived out there because it was the only choice, but I love it. Um, Five Forty Club on Clement uh, was definitely somewhere that everyone hung out at all the time, and now it's kind of like a ghost bar um but it's still it's awesome um i always hang out in places where the people that own them are either friends of friends or are they're working or so they're part of it pops was pops was the one um treat street i went to before i was old enough to go there um the mission was always somewhere that i went to get out of whatever neighborhood i lived in and then i lived in it and i absolutely adored it um it's definitely a little bit different now but uh yeah parkside God, I love parks. I'll just go there to like have their food is so good. Um, but where do they hang out? Yeah, Treat Street Pops. Those what about are kind like of the ones. Restaurants and uh, venues. Oh God. Um, <laughs> I guess Parkside. Yeah, Great American always. But it's the a lot of the like small like Hemlock. The whole building just got ripped down. That was that was one of the last, in my opinion, like truly like a band could come from wherever and not have a big draw and still get a couple people in there like it was in the back of the bar but the shows were still like five to eight dollars you know unless it was something really big which was rare for there um and it was still affordable um oh my god uh covered wagon was so amazing and then that became annie's social club and i have no idea what it is now if it even is anything i don't know either paradise had stuff I always went to the Coquitry when I was younger because it was all ages. Because I, I went to a lot of shows when I was younger, and it was there were still some all ages venues here. And I mean, that like I, I don't know. I mean, bottom of the hill, bottom of the hill. You can they have they have all ages shows on like Sundays or something. Um, bottom of the hill has always been a good one. But yeah, I mean, I can't even like. I, it, a lot of them have been gone for so long. I can't even right. like like how did I almost forget the covered wagon. Weird. Because there used to be a lot. Oh, and the one, oh my God, what was the one that was on? I was actually just talking about this with somebody. Um, oh, it was across the street from Slim's. And it was awesome. And there's like three 
spaces all in one. So you would find out like which one it was down at from Paradise then, or across the street. And then there was Balazzo. Oh man, Balazzo was so cool. Balazzo was on on mission, and they did. It was such a cool, weird space, and I don't know how people got it. But it was upstairs, and they did art shows, and it was almost like going like a house punk show. Um, that Balazzo was really cool. Is that the one that became Twelve Galaxies? No. No. Well, I think so. I think Bala- originally Balazzo was upstairs, and it was past Twenty Fourth, right around there, okay. and then and then I think they moved it down to something that then became Twelve Galaxies. Okay. Because there was a couple things there. Yeah. Mission Records. Yes. Mission Records. I I passed out at a show at Mission Records because it was so packed um, that I fainted because I couldn't get out. Um, <laughs> Nothing to do with alcohol. Just like no, I I don't even think I drank. I came of, straight from work. Yeah. Um, it was this band called Thorns of Life. Cause, well, and it's a weird thing because like Jawbreaker was such a big. 90s. I mean, they were Oakland, but also San Francisco. All their liner notes and stuff are pictures of the city and the mission. And so, um, they had the guy, one of the guys in that band, and the drummer of another really cool band formed something. And they were here playing, and they played all these secret shows. And so many people were just like packing in, and it was like, it was really cool for me because it was like, oh, it's like when I was a kid, but at the same time, I was like 25 and passing out, 26 or whatever, you know. <laughs> And then they got back together, so it's like a weird. That's what I mean. I feel like things. I feel like things are coming back around. They got back together, and Tuffy did their poster for the latest mm-hmm, show at the yeah. Fillmore that I was so yeah. happy to be at. I was on. I was on some post of theirs because I have like six Jawbreaker tattoos. Oh. We'll have to get pictures of those, yeah. And they took a bunch. Yeah. Adam has a bunch of pictures of them. Adam yes. from the band, yeah. yeah. I I think earlier you said. By the time you were like 18 or so, like you knew you wanted to be a tattoo No, I, well, I, I didn't know until I was maybe like 20, 21, I think. Okay. But I worked in a tattoo shop. Oh. Yeah, when I was 18. I knew I wanted tattoos. Right. So when I was a little kid, so growing up in North Beach, there was Goldfields and there was Lyle Tuttle's. And Goldfields was across the street. It was around the corner from Tomaso's. So I was allowed to go to the arcade and I would, I would cross the street, which I wasn't supposed to do, and sneak in there. And so I grew up with just like, that was my little secret is I would run into Goldfields and like the flashes, I knew I wanted to have tattoos. Like, like little girls were always like, oh, I imagine my wedding when I get, like, when I would picture myself older doing any of the things that I pictured, I was tattooed, like heavily tattooed. And I figured out that if I worked, I started getting a couple of tattoos and the guy that owned the tattoo shop went to SFAI, which is where I went to college. And he was like, oh, you need a job. And I think he was trying to hire my younger, cuter friend. But I was like, I need a job. She has a trust fund. She doesn't need one. I need a job. Because I got free tattoos. Oh. So I worked there for almost zero money. Is that where you got your first tattoo then? So I got my... I have a couple, like, nonsense... Well, one or two nonsense things on my legs from when I was, like, a little crusty punk kid. We all and I, do. Yeah, right? Um, but real tattoo, I got my first one at Mom's on Hate Street, which I later worked at for almost 10 years. Um, because my high school boyfriend had a bunch of tattoos and I was very cool for dating a 16 year old tattoos and um, he had gotten them with a fake ID at mom so it was the only shop I knew I was 18 when I got I went but it was the only shop I knew so I went there and I wound up working there forever but when I would have downtime when I started working the counter more I would read the books because there's tons of books and most of it is reference like 
photo reference, which was great too. Um, but a lot of it was like historical. And I just fell head over heels in love with the history of tattooing. Because it was a lot like the history of punk music or the history of beat poetry. Like all these things that I loved that shaped who I am, tattooing was just as cool. If not, it had the same kind of origin story, you know? So I fell in love with it. And he actually asked me if I wanted to apprentice. He was. I mean, he, I, I'll always be thankful for the opportunity, but he was a little, I think he just wanted to have some girl to drag around conventions and be like, look at my apprentice, which he did later. Um, and I wanted to be a painter. That's not, I was going to be an oil painter. I was gonna move to New York and I was going to be in galleries and I was going to paint. Um, and so I said no. And uh, because also I didn't really like the whole vibe kind of of it. Um, I wanted to be taken seriously. And he got an apprentice, and I watched that guy royally screw it up. And I was, and I also was scared of it because tattooing is like, it's a two-year, like at least where I worked in a lot of places, it's a two-year formal apprenticeship. This is before people saw TV and decided to start tattooing. Like this is when you actually had to like know someone and beg for a, an apprenticeship, and right. it was hard work. And I'm not saying it isn't now. A lot of people still do it right. A lot of people don't. Um, I was lucky for the opportunity, and once I saw someone screw it up, I was like, oh no, I've got this in the bag, because I was scared that I wouldn't have the right commitment, that it would be like, because it's not, it's permanent, it's great. I, I'm still like shocked after 18 years of working in tattoo shops and almost 14 of tattooing, I'm still like, how do you let me do this to you, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, it's a big deal. So Yeah, there's no erasers on the No, yeah. and so I, when I started, I, so I said, yes, please, yes. And I was very lucky that I had a boyfriend um, at the time, because I had dropped out of school, that um, really was starting a business, had the money, but no time. And I had time, but no money. So he paid the rent and the bills, and I worked for free at the tattoo shop. I got tips sometimes, I would pay for our groceries. Um, and he worked like 20 hours a day a lot of the time, so I did all the cleaning and the cooking and like took care of everything while I was learning to tattoo and it's because of him. I don't, there's some people that get paid apprenticeships. Mine was not like that. And most, a lot of times people will pay for them. Like I pay five grand and you teach me to tattoo. That's, that happens a lot. I didn't have to pay. I paid in labor. Right, right. So it worked out. It was actually very, and then I was guaranteed, I worked for free for two years. I did a two year formal and then I promised to work there for two years. Okay. So you did your, you did your formal apprenticeship yeah. at Mom's. Yes. On hate. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. still there. Um, the guy who was the the main owner, there was a co-owner, um, wound up selling to the co-owner. So he owns it all now. Okay. Um, so I worked there for almost 10 years. And then um, one of the guys who had worked there before me, who worked there forever, um, he decided to open his own tattoo shop. And I went with him. So it was the two of us for almost six months at Let It Bleed, which is on Polk. And then another guy that we worked with came over. So you're a part owner? or No. Oh. Eric owns it, but we just, I just went with him. We just did it. I mean, it was the two of us. I helped like build it and do all that fun stuff. So what made you want to do that? I hated where I worked. Um, I absolutely hated it. Um, I made a lot of money, which was great for being so young in it because it was very touristy. You take the bus to Hate Street, the door opens, and it literally opens into the shop. Um, So, but the guy who was the owner. the guy who apprenticed me didn't really teach me anything. He taught me a lot of what not to do, honestly. Um, and again, I'm thankful for it, but like the opportunity, but like 
it was really hard working for him and no one it was a coup basically like Eric left I left Danny just needed to make sure that he had enough clients to leave he left um, a bunch of other people it was just it he had fostered a really crappy environment and we all knew we were better than that you know so we left um, it was one of like I mean that was my family though so I was really lucky that my family I got to go with them nice <laughs> so you know and our shop now it's been 10 years I was gonna ask um, so 2009 we opened the day after Easter I, I'll never okay. forget that in 2009 um, I figured out the actual date I can't remember it now it was right, like April 8th I think it Easter's always a different day every I'm year I'm pretty sure it was April it was April 8th I think or maybe our party was April 8th but I'm pretty sure that was the day um, so yeah. you said 10 years this year just yeah. this April mm-hmm. awesome congratulations um, we had a party at Boozland. Yeah, you guys are down on Polk. And yeah, we're on Polk between Post and Sutter. So we were oh. across the street from the Hemlock, which is no longer... I mean, we are, but it's not there anymore. So. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. How, do you want to speak to that neighborhood or that experience? Yeah, I actually... Tenderloin, to me, is also... Um, it's not as unchanged as other neighborhoods, um, just because there are gin bars and things like that. Um, but it's really cool that... It kind of it, it's as sketchy as it is because so many people get keep getting shoved closer together when they can't afford stuff or have mental illness or whatever it is. That's where all the resources are. So every so a lot it gets a bad rap, but it's it's really because the city has created it that way. Um, you know, they're, they they've been doing that, making the tenderloin what it is since the 30s. So it's like. You know, it, it, it is what it is, but at the same time, it is locals. People come together, people live in the neighborhood and work in the neighborhood, um, and and new things have opened. How long, uh, Boozland, I don't know how long it's been open. Less than we have, seven years? Yeah, that sounds about right. And it, it well, you would know, but I mean, that's, I remember it opening after us a couple years and me being like, oh my God, there's something new that's like, cool, because it's people that own other bars that are cool, you know? So it was like, going there and like, oh my God, there's a new spot for us to go, like, Hemlock, you know, was torn down. There's like not a couple. It's still people look out. Like you walk down the street and people are like, oh hi, oh hi, how are you? And us being in the neighborhood, it's like we tattoo people in the neighborhood. So you see, nice. we get tourists. It's great, but it's also like, it feels like you know a coffee shop vibe. Like everyone kind of, like not everyone. There's some you know new things that are kind of like, why is that there? But it's it's struggling a little, I think honestly, because all the retail is just sitting. A lot of it's sitting empty. Because no one can open a small business. I was going to say that's happening all over. I'm seeing it's it all gnarly. over. It's gnarly. Yeah, it's yeah. all over. Yeah. And I think Polk just has so much retail, too, so I right. notice it. Um, but there's a spot next to us that's been sitting empty for God knows how long. And it's it's kind of like, man, if only they would make stuff a little bit more reasonable and people could actually like use those spaces. But the pe- they're sitting empty because the landlords are getting the tax breaks. So it's kind of a, you know, that I think neighborhood, it's, yeah, it's great, but it's has feel like it gets stifled a little bit from all the stuff i think I that's a good setup for maybe maybe what we'll end on and that is um your thoughts on just this time period that we're talking about like the yeah. last 10 years and and what we do about it or, or looking forward like i what i do you think i think that we're i think a lot of stuff that i viewed as negative and a lot of other people did too um is kind of subsiding right now um, there's not as much of a push, it feels like, for new fancy restaurants that aren't local. You know, there isn't as much of a push of, like, like tearing things down and build. They've done it. They did it. The last 10 years was just, like, 
oh my god it was like this city was just getting sucked dry you know and people were getting kicked out and all the ellis like it's just the last 10 years i feel like the last 20 you know like we had a break for a minute but it's just the city's always changing my dad said that to me when i was younger um he was like it was the hippies then it was the yuppies then it was you know the tech it's like it's always every generation has some san francisco like people want to be here and it sucks that the last group in my opinion weren't bringing a lot culturally to the table artistically creatively um and that's a bummer but and also not recognizing that yeah and not treating what we have well of art and culture yeah i'll never i'll never forget the the, i'll never forget the kid in the mission that like wanted to play baseball and there's the tech guys that weren't even using it and they're like no but we reserved it so you can't be here and it's like dude you guys they weren't even playing they were sitting there drinking beer and they kicked a little kid whose family like they actually his family did not have a computer so he couldn't reserve it right it's that um, that for me was the day I left. I left a couple years later. I was I was kind of sick to my stomach over the way a lot of transplants treated the city, and it was a it just it it hurt my feelings. Google buses. Yeah, and all that it hurt shit, my yeah. feelings because yeah. I was like, man, like, like I mean, my like as a whole, you know, it was like, look what you're doing to everybody, you know, and it's like, and I moved from one neighborhood to another, you know, and like I supported the businesses there, and that's what I think needs to happen now. Is it's like, I. I w- it was Thursday art walk, like first Thursday last this month I guess or last month, and um, I walked down Polk Street or down Larkin, and there were three art openings in three blocks, and they were all super cool, and they were in locally owned businesses, and they were local artists, and it was just so. And I was like, oh, people are out, you know, and it's like there are more people that could come to these things. More people need to support it because people are. I'm not going to say we're, like, fighting for the city, but, I mean, I guess we are. You know, there's a lot of people that are, like, doing their best, like, you guys making a podcast or, like, the girl who owns Fleetwood on Larkin, which is a great store, filling her yeah. store, Nico, filling her store. She has a printing press that's, that makes the money so she can have the store so that she can showcase local artists and, and craftsmen. And it's, like, if we keep doing that, like, pushing that, we're going to create, we're going to fill in the holes that we lost culturally, you know? That was Taylor Nichols. Join us next week when we'll hear from life coach Bowen Dwelly. Music for the podcast is by Otis McDonald. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. You can find all of our episodes over on our website, storiedsf.com. While you're there, please support what we do by going to our store page and choosing from several different pledge levels. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're now on YouTube, so please subscribe to the show there as well. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and rate and review the show, please. And if you have any feedback or potential guests for us, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.